It's Tennessee Titans talk. Fellas, we played that close game yesterday. We thought we might. The kicking game bounced in our favor. Ugh, yep. Hey, baby, we're, we're 2-0. That's, that's all I care about at the end of the day. Landon, I've seen a lot of folks talk about, oh, well, they win ugly, ugly win. I think a lot of teams are going to win ugly against Jacksonville this year, right? And I don't really attribute it to us being sloppy or anything. We didn't have any turnovers. Yes, we could have played better, especially defensively. Jacksonville is is a tough out, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was an ugly win. It was just Jacksonville is more competitive than we thought. We got up big early. The Jags made a comeback at the end of the day. Goskowski hit another 50-yarder in. A stroke of fate let a ball bounce right to Harold Landry. It's not ugly. It's just fortuitous. No, I don't think it was a stroke of fate. I think it was the play of the game, and I think it was our boy Simmons getting his big paw up there, and that saved the game, right, John? That was the play of the game. Oh, yeah. I think he, you know, that was incredible awareness by him, you know, to to wait because, you know, obviously a defensive lineman, you want to jump up as soon as possible. He didn't. He waited till Minshew actually threw it, jumped up. It actually deflected off his hand, bounced off his helmet, and then right into Harold Landry's arms. And uh, Amazing. And I'm continuously impressed what we've seen out of... All right, I'll, give, I'll, I'll call him the big fella, too. <laughs> continuously impressed with the way he plays. Landon, who's your player of the game for the Titans? It would have to be Ryan Tannehill. He only threw 24 times compared to Minshew at 45, but 220 yards... 75% completions percentage, four touchdowns, including a beauty to Adam Humphreys for a 145 passer rating. If his name wasn't Ryan Tannehill and he wasn't playing for the Tennessee Titans, the media will be salivating over how good he started off this season. But the narrative around him entering the season was he regressed, he's not that good, it was a fluke, and he's proving everyone wrong. It's just he doesn't have the name brand to make people love him as much as they should. It's so great that you say that because I have in my notes, John, from yesterday, four touchdowns in a game, two touchdowns in his last nine starts. No national attention, just like Landon said. And, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't think he would either, right? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's the best. You know, even Chanel, we were sitting down watching watching the game, and she's like, wow, this is his, like, you know, dream scenario, right? Coming here in a trade, and then all of a sudden ends up starting, gets the big contract, and just has the career he always expected he could. And, you know, he's just picking up where he left off. And, you know, I think we, like we talked about prepping for the game, we don't want him throwing 45 times. We want him throwing, you know, around this 20 plus to, to maybe 30, 30 times a game. So I think yesterday was as good of a game. We, you know, I mean, obviously he could throw for more yards. He could throw for more touchdowns, I hope. But I think this is kind of what we want Tannehill to be. 18, 24, oh, yeah. 39, four touchdowns. That is the prescription for, for winning with our specific style of play. Beyond that, at times last year, especially early, he had that deer in headlights look a little bit like he was playing fast in a bad way. These first two games don't see that, even when kind of the chips are down or he gets pressure. I'll be really interested to see us um, play from behind like we will eventually or him because he took some big hits yesterday, and the guy is absolutely tough. I don't think he's given credit for that. He took some hits last year. The guy is just a, a tough Texan, the whole stereotype of, of all that. Battled injuries, had that. But he's a very tough guy. But his demeanor this year is different. And uh, there's some comfort level. I think maybe your wife was right. Well, he's got his contract. This is ideal. He is in an ideal situation on a good team. The players won yesterday. But I'll say it's tempting for me, for my player of the game, quote unquote, to be Arthur Smith. Because they did not abandon the run. Uh, Derrick Henry was good and tough, not great. You know, 24 carries, 85 yards, whatever. But they didn't abandon the run. They stayed with the game plan. When Jacksonville got back in this game, I think it would have been easier for them to kind of trade all that in. They didn't. 24 passes 
like you said, John, that is the recipe. That is absolutely ideal. And I think yesterday proved to us that we don't need otherworldly Derrick Henry to win games. But what we do need is to not make any dumb decisions and not turn the ball over and to not panic from a play calling standpoint. I was really proud of that. But in real life, my player of the game, if it can't be Simmons or Tannehill, you know, Johnny Smith, two touchdowns, uh, they looked at tape and said, there's nobody on Jacksonville that we can see that can guard him. And so they just basically went down the field with him. That was beautiful to see. And Kenny Vaccaro, he had a few plays I know he wants oh. back. The guy is so <clears throat> tough, got the sack. Just He kind of represents – our defense, a little shorthanded, but at the end, they were up to the task, right? Yeah, overall, he had a great game, too. He had 11 tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss. I mean, there were some plays where I saw Vaccaro probably not going as fast as he should have or maybe giving too much of uh, of a cushion on coverage. I, I told you last week while we were watching the game, I go to bed every night, and I, I thank God for sending Kenny Vaccaro to us, uh, you know, when we didn't really know what our need was, and he kind of filled that void pretty well. The best way when um, you're thinking God for that yeah. is to describe Kenny Vaccaro to Titans fans is a gift because that's what he absolutely was because oh, yes. we didn't pay oh, really anything for him. We didn't have to draft right. him and we didn't have to pay a lot for him and we got him. Yeah, he's an absolute gift. Mm-hmm. And he, he is a tough, tough player. He's able to bring the wood every single play. And, you know, like I said, there were a couple, there were a couple times where I wasn't thrilled with his play, but overall, very, very solid effort from Kenny Vaccaro. Landon, we're going to have to get more from our defense, but I expect us to kind of gel together. I know we are, it's not a different game plan or philosophy, but I know we, we don't have Dean Pease anymore. We have some injuries. What has to shore up in the coming weeks for us to be a legitimate contender? Because I think we're, uh, and hopefully we can come together on defense. The defense just needs edge rushing reinforcements because Vic Beasley and Derek Roberson have both been out these first two games and Kamala Carrera barely plays. And with Clowney already having subpar conditioning, it's him and Harold Landry having to play pretty much the entire game. And the sweet spot for edge rushers is generally 70-75. They're pushing 85-90 and just giving these guys a breather where they're not having to stay on the field all the time. Let's them play harder, give them more intensity on each snap. And it just creates more opportunities for the defense as a whole because Harold Landry on his 70th snap of the game is going to be nearly as effective as his 50th snap. No, I think that's a good point. Even all-time great defensive linemen have got to have some kind of rotation. There's just very few exceptions to that, and we're going to need that. I love watching Clowney because he is an opportunist. Sometimes like, oh, well, he wasn't guarded. or But, I mean, the guy closes quick, and he's just always kind of where he's supposed to be. And I think as long as we don't wear him out, I think he could get better. I was impressed with Adam Humphreys. We're always going to say this, but the guy's really tough and really strong. The guy takes hits just by the nature of, of kind of going in the middle. I really like our offense. Ferkser was really impressed with the efficiency of our offense. Uh, defense needs a little work, but I thought they were gutsy there at the end. Let's talk about Jacksonville. I told y'all last week that I thought they were better than people thought they were going to be. They could have won this game. Big fellow, how many how many wins do you think Jacksonville gets this year? Man, it's really tough because they are. You know, we know how they act, how we know the kind of team they are. They are very a very tough team, but. They could go into one game and, you know, Minshew can throw four picks and they can be out of it early. And they'll have a tough time battling back. But I don't I think, think he's we going to throw look at them, four picks in a game. I don't think it's happening. And, and he, no. he, prob- he only threw that pick he at the end because it was him or nothing. 
Otherwise, he really didn't make any mistakes. So the guy's really efficient. Now, they'll be able to beat him up. And My worry is somebody's going to hit him out of the game because he's pretty slight, but I thought he was really efficient. Yeah. There was one hit that he took from Clowney that I thought it was gonna it was gonna be lights out because Clowney became in unblocked, but you know Clowney let up and made the smart play of not drawing a you know unnecessary roughness or late hit to the quarterback, so he let up. But I think this Jacksonville Jaguars team is like you said they're gonna be better than people think. I might put them around eight and eight, which I think is overachieving. Oh no for question. What people they thought they were gonna the be this year's Dolphins. No. Yeah. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win six, seven, or eight games, Lana. What do you think? Yeah, just looking through the schedule, they have Dolphins, Bengals, Houston twice, Lions, Chargers, Browns, Vikings, who appear to have self destructed, and the Bears. So that's nine, ten more competitive games just on the service level. And they've already got one win. And I agree with John. Six to eight would be my guess. Seven would be if you asked me to go exactly. Landon, at the end of the game when they really needed to score and maybe we're missing something, maybe we did a great job on defense and I just couldn't see it, maybe the line of scrimmage. But why didn't they keep going down the field and attacking the end zone or the red zone with Eifert and DJ Chark? Why did we see Colin Johnson at the end? That just confused me. I think it was just Minshew was going to his matchup his the best look and not the best player specifically because Johnson, that ball was a little high and Johnson wilted in the moment a little bit. It was between two defenders, but he had the height advantage. A stronger player probably rips it down. But Minshew was just taking what the defense gave him outside of a few beautiful throws. And it wasn't just DJ Chark is my best receiver. I'm just going to throw to him, see what happens. It's Colin Johnson has a height advantage. I'm going to give him a chance. Minshew targeted 10 different receivers yesterday, and eight of them had more, three or more catches. I mean, I think that's pretty impressive when you think about it and the way he was able to try to work the field. And I heard James Lofton talks, talk a lot about Minshew delivering, delivering what he called these air, area balls, where there might be two players in the area of play, and he's just throwing it to a spot, hoping one of the two of them catch it. So I think, like Landon said, it's more of a of of a fit, like what he sees in the play rather than player. DJ Shark, I think Lavisca Chenault is going to be a dangerous player. They even ran him a couple times out of the backfield, like we saw with AJ Brown last year on a couple couple of those reverses, and he was talked up about first round talent and dropped out into the second round. I think he was yeah, picked he had 40. injury issues. I never thought he'd go in the first, but they. Picked Picked him pretty early yeah. because I think we would have been interested in him as our backup yeah. running back slash slot guy, and they, they he should be both. Yeah, I think he's he's a very dangerous and electric guy. So he's something that, you know he's a guy that we're gonna have to see twice a year for every every right. year. Right. The problem with forward. him is a problem uh, with a lot of guys almost, for Jacksonville. Eifert, yeah. uh, Minshew, they have injury have an injury history. Uh, Minshew only yeah. you know a while last year and some minor injuries, but I just think he's so slight. And I know I brag on him on this podcast a lot, but he processes so quickly. We saw that doesn't make a lot of mistakes it's not like the guy's 30 years old and has all this experience he's just really good at processing on the fly yeah, we've all heard about what a highly intelligent person that he is i know that's weird because we see him in jorts and that terrible mustache but the guy is highly intelligent and you can see it at his processing speed part of me wants to say well i imagine him with playing for the rams or chiefs and an offensive mind but jay gruden the longer they play with each other i'm just used to the jag sort of ruining careers and players and oh what what would they be if they were on this team or that team but I don't know maybe they could maybe they could get something going here because honestly Jay Gruden called a really good game yesterday guys would come in they would come out you mentioned the 10 different people that he threw passes to that proves what you said that they were going for the matchup they were going for who they thought were going to be open or who was open. what's interesting to me is like Chris Thompson for instance the third down back for the Washington football team for several years he comes in and he does what he does well they never have anybody do 
Anything any different? Uh, Chris Conley comes in. We know him from his Kansas City days. Both these guys just run the same route every time. They're highly effective. Eifert, they got Eifert up top, and uh, he's really effective when he's on the field doing that. So it made me think, wow, I mean, Gruden is a good fit for Minshew. If they had a better offensive line and they just had a little more seasoning together and they just had, you know, how we've just sort of built up our talent from one to 53. If we see them have the patience to do that, I think this could be a very good team next year, the year after and so on. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they have pieces on defense too. I think their pass oh, yeah. rush Chase is on is going to be really expected. good. Allen already I is. I mean, good. obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chase on, he, he looked on great. Allen was in, yeah, Allen was great. Miles Jack had a bunch of really good plays as well. They've got some really athletic players. Oh, Josh he was Schober's more than decent, decent yesterday. He's good and tough. Little. He's not a he's yeah. not a world or anything. <laughs> For but sure. they, they don't have a Super Bowl winning team, but I don't know a perennial playoff contender if they keep everybody together and kind of get out of their own way, which they haven't done in past history. They kind of remind me of like the Buffalo Bills of not not current day, but just recently when they were like always in the mix come playoff time for that wild card spot. And and they very much could do that for the next couple of years until they develop and and build that fra- build that team out. Back to our team, guys. I was not as impressed with Chris Jackson yesterday. He is in a tough position playing that much as a as a seventh round rookie. But I was impressed with Christian Fulton, not just uh, the interception and return. He's going to be a good player in this league, right? We've got to get them more help. They need more seasoning. We got to get some guys back. But I've been impressed with Fulton landing to this point. Yeah, he hasn't had many rookie mistakes as far as I can tell. There haven't been any blown coverages or big plays where he misread the ball or just failed to make the tackle. That's encouraging given this is his second ever NFL game and these are his first 70 snaps or so. And with Chris Jackson, like you said, he didn't play that well, but at the same time, if you're in a position where you're having to start the 243rd pick as a rookie right out the gate, it's more on the team and the depth and injuries than the player. Because ideally, Chris Jackson is our fifth cornerback and really our eighth defensive back behind our four cornerbacks and our safeties plus Amani Hooker. He should be a special teamer that's being forced to play because of injuries. I don't really put much blame on him because how much can we really expect out of the guy? Gotten sacks from the defensive line position in two games, but we've gotten a lot of pursuit. Harold Landry, Jadavian Clowney have graded out well. And I've been impressed with what they've done, and we're going to hopefully get more guys and some, some rotational help for them like Landon mentioned earlier. Jeffrey Simmons has played well. Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, we know them as above-average players. They haven't played poorly. They haven't played great, John. They've been average. Jayon Brown did not play bad yesterday. He looked winded, and he looked out of place. Right. That surprised me. in a couple different plays, which were pretty key. But it, it was surprising because we know him to be this energetic ball of football, just everywhere he needs to be at the right time making plays. And, you know, we didn't see 100% of that. I do think Rashawn Evans had a terrible game yesterday. Not He did not make the plays we see him normally make and i'm not going to hit the panic button because remember he was ejected in the first quarter last week so he's still acclimating and that's fine and you know as long as he can get the defense in the right looks and make some important plays i'm not going to freak out you know because he did make a couple plays just not the ones that we expect him to make One guy I was pretty impressed with was Jack Crawford. He had a huge sack for 20 plus yards, and I think that, and that really put 
the Jaguars in a tough situation. But, you know, he kind of reminded me, Nathan, don't get upset. He reminded me a little bit of Darrell Casey, the way he wouldn't give up. And he was just running, running, running. His pursuit was great. And he's just a guy that he'll provide that veteran presence for us on the defensive line. You know, he's never going to blow up the stat sheet. He's never going to be an all-pro. But he is solid rotational depth. I think when we cut Darrell Casey loose, this offseason, it was a bet that we could find and cultivate some guys like that that could play five, six, seven, eight snaps a game and, and just be there for pressure and that Daquan Jones would stay healthy and continue to improve. So far, so good. But yeah, uh, Crawford is one of those guys we used to not get. Now these guys come from nowhere and they contribute. That was uh, that was really good pursuit. A 21-yard loss on a sack. That kid is hard to... It, he throws the ball away so well. I was really impressed with Crawford and I want to see more from him. I was really impressed with uh, Gustowski. Uh, I had no faith last Monday night that w- we would even keep him. Uh, I was panicking, obviously, more than the front office did and the coaching staff. Can look rocky and when he clanked that extra point off. I got really worried. Luckily, Lambo, Jacksonville's kicker, bailed us out because if it had been 31-30, I would have been in a panic. And it could have easily been that way. But Gostowski, at the end of both halves, Landon, just comes through for us. Yeah, even though even though he's missed two extra points, which isn't good, at least he's getting his kicking mojo back, which is really what we need because we've talked about before. If you're having to drive down the field for a game-tying or game-winning field goal, and you're scared of your kicker unless he's inside 35 yards, you're in trouble. Today he hit a 51-yard that just squeaked in. Then he blasted another 50-yarder right through to put us up. And it looks like Rabel's trust wasn't misplaced where he said, he's got to get more comfortable, he's got to get back, shake off the rust. I think the extra points will rest towards the positive mean. And his field goal kicking certainly gives our offense a much higher ceiling if he's back in. He can continually hit these field goals when we need him to. One thing that kind of made me nervous with Guskowski, with Guskowski, I can never even say his name right, with Guskowski kicking is during the after the Denver game, he was talking to a reporter and he said that when he was rehabbing from his injury, he was kicking using his kicking shoe, but no sock. You'll even see him, even yesterday, he did not have a sock on his kicking foot. Yeah, it's great when we're playing in September. I, I just wonder what happens when we're playing outside, you know, like in Green Bay in December and January and, you know, hopefully February. What what happens then? Uh, you know, that, it's going to sting. It's going to hurt. It's going to be cold. And, you know, hopefully he's tougher than all that. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's real stuff. You know, it's a, it's a real ball. It's, you know, it's his real foot inside of a, a cleat that's meant for, you know, some sock padding. I'm hopeful that he can keep up with it. Do you guys realize this is the first time we've been 2-0 since 2008? It's interesting. Uh, I'm not going to take it for granted. It's fun. We've got a lot of work to do, and like we mentioned, uh, we've got some improvements that need to be made, but we've brought this team back, and uh, we are going to be right in the thick of it. The NFL had a really kind of a banner day in a bad way yesterday. Lots of marquee players with injuries, most uh, season-ending injuries. Uh, really tough day for the NFL injury-wise. I can't help but think that it may have something to do with the really weird lead-up to this season that we've had. I know we've had some some sort of dark weeks in the past where a bunch of guys get injured, but Landon, this was just uh, this was almost unprecedented, right? It certainly felt that way yesterday. Just every five minutes or so, just a pop-up from ESPN or the Fancy app. So and so carted off the field, helped off the field, out for their testing to report. And I think it's a combination of, like you said, no preseason. So whatever preseason injuries are carried over to the regular season. And in week one, teams were really vigilant on rotating guys in and not stressing their bodies out, just 
slowly working out the workload. Then this week it felt like it was back to normal where players were playing a heavy workload. They were taking a lot of snaps and just their bodies weren't ready. They hadn't played two games worth of preseason football. They hadn't had a full regular offseason for their bodies to prepare. And like you said, just so many injuries across so many teams. I'm just thankful that if there are injury gods, we had to appease them with A.J. Brown already being hurt and Dory Jackson being on IR. Absolutely. Big fella, let me think of the right way to ask this. If you were a fan of any of these teams that lost somebody big yesterday, what what, it, what would be the biggest sucker punch? Is it if we if we were Giants fans in Barkley or CMC maybe for six weeks? I know that's because he's like their guy. Landon and I were in Charlotte for a game last year, and it's like he is the face of that franchise. And you can go on and on. Uh, Nick Bosa is San Francisco's best player, and I don't think it's close. Yeah, I was gonna really, I was gonna hit on San Francisco more than the others because, you know, Den- you know, Denver losing Drew Locke for a couple weeks, the Panthers losing McCaffrey, the Giants losing Barkley. None of those teams are ones we ever consider to be in the race for the division or, you know, even a playoff spot. But San Francisco was locked and loaded and ready for Bear. And man, they had about a million injuries yesterday, but none bigger than Nick Bosa out probably for this season, and they're already down George Kittle and Garoppolo went out and Solomon Thomas went out. I mean, it's just, you know, war of attrition there. That is, I think, one of the biggest impacts these injuries can have because, you know, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl, and they look like a team who right now is going to struggle to win some games coming up and in in a really tough NFC West. So that's the team I look for to, you know, hit the panic button and say, oh, my goodness, What's going to happen? And going back to before the game started, Richard Sermon was on IR, Debo Samuel was on IR, and then Mostert and Tevin Coleman both got hurt during the game. So the running backs might be Chet McKinnon, who isn't a bastion of of, of a healthy body. Their cornerbacks, Akella Witherspoon, was questionable all week. They've just been really unlucky with injuries, and combined with the Super Bowl slump and how good their division is, it wouldn't be surprising at all if they miss the playoffs. They're going to go two and fourteen and get oh boy, uh, sunshine from Clemson. That's that's happening, <laughs> and um, yeah, because they've had so much attrition. I wonder if they just wouldn't that be weird, big fellow? Because this is a team that was a Super Bowl team, and then they're gonna that's going to ramp up when when after the first six weeks when you see some teams, it's gonna we're going to be on quarterback watch, right? Yeah, oh for sure, and I mean I think there there are some teams already on on that yeah like on that both, list. both I mean, New York teams for instance right I was just gonna say you look at the Giants and you look at the Jets Sam Darnold is horrible I mean I was watching a little bit of that game on Red Zone yesterday and my goodness I mean don't get me wrong he doesn't have a whole lot to work with as far as an offensive line and receivers and a running back but man did he look bad uh, only to be upstaged by Kirk Cousins who. Looked like an absolute train wreck, but he's healthy and has some. What the heck, he can look back. so good and so bad. I'm, it's gonna. We're gonna talk about him more, obviously, as the week goes on. But woof. Yeah. Well, I mean, three picks, and I think he only had eleven completions. Like, oh my word. And this is a team that we've been talking about for the last couple of years to be a, a you know a perennial Super Bowl contender. He was supposed to be their last missing piece. Remember that <laughs> that conversation? He was supposed to get them over the hump, and my goodness. Yeah, if you weren't following the Vikings game, at the end of the third quarter, Cousins was 6 of 20 for 60 yards. That's three <laughs> yards per attempt and a 35% and a 30% completion percentage <laughs> with three interceptions. By contrast, 
Ryan Tannehill had 10 yards attempt yesterday. So uh, that it does matter. It does say a lot about how overall kind of the health of uh, the offense on that day. So it was just terrible. And maybe they'll keep that going. We travel up <laughs> to Minneapolis Sunday. Really excited for that. Chance to go 3-0. and Fellas, we're going to be back with you guys uh, later on in the week, and we're going to get you ready for the Vikings. Until then, guys, tighten up. Tighten up.